In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 256th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode something along these lines, uh, What the Big Trade Means for the Falcons, or How the 49ers Trade Impacted the Falcons. And we're going to look at that first. Then we're going to hear from some of the new Falcons. Mike Davis, Barkevius Mingo, Fabian Moreau. And I'll give you some insight from the league going to the 17-game schedule. was on the uh, conference call with Roger Goodell today. So we'll share uh, with you a couple things about that. But to start off here, what was the big trade? We saw some action last Friday. The... Um, the 49ers uh, moved up from 12 to number 3, right in front of the Falcons. Reportedly, the Falcons were um, involved in talks, too. So they went to get up as high as they could to try to get um, into the quarterback derby. And they went to 3, sent the Bushroll picks to Miami. Miami went back to 12, and then they wanted to stay in the top 10. So then they cut a deal with Philly to go to the number six spot. And so a lot of the speculation after that was that, hey, um, the 49ers wanted to get into three because Trevor Lawrence is going one, Zach Wilson two to the Jets, and um, they wanted Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback, to develop behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who they said they weren't going to trade. And... Um, they like them. It's kind of some double speak going on. But uh, then on Tuesday, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the um, the head coach of the 49ers and general manager, go to Alabama for Mac Jones's pro day. And, um, you know, so a lot of speculation is that now they will take Mac Jones at three. But uh, while Mac Jones is doing his thing, uh, Justin Fields is up in Columbus running a 4-3-4 and a 4-4 and uh, doing, you know, spraying balls all around the, um, believe they were in the Woody Hayes Center uh, throwing the ball up there at Ohio State. So I talked to some people after the draft or uh, after the trade and one said, hey, you don't go up to 12 and give up all those pieces for a developmental quarterback. So, um, you know, we're thinking it's Fields that the 49ers want. Mac Jones makes some sense because he runs a lot of Kyle's principles that, you know, Steve uh, Sarkeesian ran here in Atlanta and took with him down to Atlanta, uh, Alabama. So he's, uh, he threw all the double screens, the reverse motion, the speed motion, all that, you know, what stuff that, uh, 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 Kyle has in his offense 
Mac Jones knows how to do it. But um, he would be Jimmy Garoppolo light. Didn't throw a lot of balls down the field. Uh, was, you know, did complete 70% of his passes. So, um, you know, we got a month to figure this out. But our next mock draft will be next Wednesday in the cover nine at nine. But uh, uh, we're kind of leaning towards a Trevor Lawrence, Zach Miller, Justin Fields going three. Then that's going to leave the Falcons in this situation where they could take Lance. You could take the tackle, Pene Sowo, or you can trade out. Okay, and Pene Sowo is the real deal. He can start at all four spots, everything except center right away. Solidify your line. Maybe move him, uh, start him at guard, move him to tackle. Maybe move Jake inside. Or maybe flip Jake to the right side and get, you know, McGarry out of there. Uh, but all of a sudden, you got options up front. And he's uh, legit is the word I keep hearing. He's legit. Could start at four spots. So, we'll um, we'll stay on top of this. We'll have the position-by-position position series coming up. Um, just got one more talk with the boss on that. And uh, I got uh, 10 days uh, that I want to hit. The offense first, then uh, the defense, and um, you know, get everybody ready for the draft. So we got a, you know, it's a Justin Fields story online. He was available today, so go go check that out. So uh, also we have the the cover nine at nine. We'll be looking at Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan this week. Without further ado, let's get to running back Mike Davis, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. Signed a two-year deal with the Falcons for $5.5 million, $3 million guaranteed. Went to Stevenson High. Uh, grew up on the west side on Bankhead. His brother James moved him out to Lithonia, Stone Mountain area. And that's how he went to high school out there. Went on to start at South Carolina. And uh, went in the fourth round to San Francisco in 15. Moved on to Seattle in 17. And then the Bears signed him to a two-year deal. And then last year he was signed by the Carolina Panthers. So here it is. Let's go to Mike Davis. Uh, coming home to the Falcons after, you know, the 1,000-yard year up there in Carolina for you. Um, it's really amazing, you know, to be home. Um, like I, you, can't, you can't beat it. Um, you know, I got a lot of family here, so um, it's, it's real good to be here. What was the process like? How many other teams did you talk to uh, before you decided, you and your agent, that this was the best place for you? Um, I wasn't the guy doing, um, you know, all the talking to the team. My agent was doing the talking. Um, only thing uh, I can say is that Atlanta was 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 the best was the best fit. Thank you. Mike Davis on his role with the team. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, we haven't really talked about um, my role yet and what I'll be doing. Um, actually, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say what my role will be yet anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what my role is yet. I might do, I might not know. But Mike on his mindset while taking over for Christian McCaffrey in Carolina last year. I was, I was, you know, most definitely uh, grateful for the 
opportunity. Um, you never want to see anybody get hurt. The only thing I I I, I hate it. Well, I'm gonna say I hate it. I took personal how um people kind of like like wrote off when I was there because uh I guess people didn't know like like what I could do or whatever. So, but I felt like. I felt kind of like disrespected a little bit, so um, I, I took kind of everything personal when playing. Yeah, Mike. You know, I covered James too back in the day at the Clemson and was at your pro day. Uh, but just uh, clear it up. Uh, what was your dad's name, and then what was the best advice? that James was able to give you um, that to help you out on this journey here? Um, my dad's name was uh, Michael Oliver. And, uh, the best advice I got from my brother that he told me... Uh, right. Uh, probably be, you know, to, to never quit. You know what I mean? Never give up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's probably one of the best things. Uh, he, I watched my brother. I watched my brother work you know, as, as, as hard as he could. But, um, yeah, I mean, and he never really gave up. So that was one of the things I'd probably say I learned the best from him. Thank you. All right. That was uh, Mike Davis. You know, he knows what his role is. Nobody gives you $3 million and say, hey, you know, uh, uh, just come on in here and, you know, kick it around a little bit. He's going to be uh, RB1 and, uh, you know, look for him to draft a running back. And then they'll, you know, bring them along and uh, they can start the season with somebody they know they can get a ball to. So, um, you know, I still think they're going to draft a running back. And the question about his dad, he um, his dad was his biggest fan, passed away uh, in uh, 19 of prostate cancer. And, um, you know, he talked about him and him being his biggest fan. And he would be, he'd have such a big kick out of him playing for the Falcons. He liked him. Uh, finally getting a chance to wear number 28. He knew he would like that. Next up, Barkevius Mingo. Sixth overall pick in the draft. He's carved him out of career. Uh, been with six teams. But, um, you know, some people want to, you know, uh, I'm, I think that's uh, admirable that teams keep wanting you and you, you've got talent enough to, to get out there and help them on special teams. He uh, actually played almost 400 staff snaps last year for the Bears, so he knows the defense, uh, and he uh, followed Coach Ted Montecino here to Atlanta. Here's Barkevius Mingo, outside linebacker, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, coming home to the Falcons after, you know, the 1,000-yard year up there. Sorry, that was Davis again. Here's Barkevius. What was it like? Doing this process and uh, what attracted you to the Falcons and the uh, new administration here in Atlanta? Well, um, I'll say it all started with uh, my relationship with uh, Coach uh, Monachino. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been with him uh, two stops along the way, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, I respect uh, in this industry. Um, and Obviously, I feel like, you know, he's a, a great teacher and a great coach, and um, I'm just excited to work with him. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. Now, here is Mingo discussing playing against the Falcons in Super Bowl 51 for the Patriots. 
Super Bowl, you I looked up the stats. You had a couple tackles in the uh, Super Bowl 51 against these guys. Any re- recollections on getting that ring and that kind of classic game? I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody here wants to hear that, but <laughs> it was uh, from my perspective. Right. It was a crazy game and one I'll never forget, you know, and I... Uh, if you, I mean, it's it's crazy how it, how it unfolded, and you know, it's a game that I'll never forget. But like I said, I'm not gonna bore you guys with that, because <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yes, sir. Now here's Mingo on playing from scrimmage. How much are you um, hoping to play from scrimmage? I know special teams kind of you kind of carved a niche out there, but. I saw last year Walters and, and some of you guys, y'all had a good little rotation going on up there. But what do you hope to do? Yeah. From scrimmage. Can you say one more time? You're breaking up on me. Uh, what are, are you hoping to play from scrimmage here um, with the Falcons? I know y'all got, I had a rotation in Chicago last year and you had uh, almost 400 snaps. So just trying to see if that's where you hoping this is headed. Um. Honestly, I'm open to play as much as they need me to. Uh, I want them to tell me to get off the field. Um, I think as a, a a competitor, you know, you you want to be able to be on the field and, and, and have an impact. And you know, that's hasn't changed for me. I you know, I love playing this game, and I love it more when you know I'm on the field playing the game. So we'll we'll discuss that later. That's not my decision to make, um, but. That, that's how much decision made. <laughs> okay. And then- All right, there he goes. Uh, delightful young man. It's fun talking to him uh, the other day. And the last gentleman we're going to hear from is Fabian Moreau. Kind of got a sad story, man. He was um, the top, uh, top five cornerback in 2017 coming out. Uh, had a uh, chest injury. Jim Moore tried to downplay like it was no big deal. Blah blah blah. But he dropped in the draft. He had to have he had to have surgery, pectoral surgery, and was out for five months. It was a big deal. Uh, cost him a lot of draft spot capital. Uh, ended up being the twelfth cornerback taken. Marshawn Lattimore was number one that year at eleven for the Saints. And uh, you know it's some um, it's it. I'm gonna list all of the eleven at one point here that were drafted before Fabian, <clears throat> but he's a uh, a big corner uh, coming over from the Washington football team. Only played uh, 18% of the snaps last year. Played a lot on special teams. But here is cornerback Fabian Monroe of the Atlanta Falcons. What was your decision, or you know, what was the deciding factor in signing with the Falcons, and how do you see yourself fitting in the secondary and special teams operation here? Well, I picked Atlanta just because of the opportunity to uh, to play and to showcase my talent, to um, to just contribute any way I can, and um, I just see myself as a I see myself as a physical corner, so just. Just being able to showcase my ability, go against some top receivers. There's a lot of good receivers in this division, so just be able to put that out there and show the world what I can do. Thank you. Here's Fabian on his pro day injury. He was the 
fifth-rated cornerback at the time of the pectoral muscle surgery heard on the bench press uh, that led to surgery. Uh, he ended up being the 12th drafted cornerback. And the timing wasn't all that great. But I just learned that through anything, as long as you put your mind to it, put God first, you could get through anything. And I just stuck my, I just rehabbed well and just knew that wherever I ended up was where I needed to be. He was then asked if he felt if things would have gone differently had he not had that injury going in the third round instead of the first. As a lesson and just knowing that I could get through anything. So, but yeah, I, I do feel like things would have maybe worked out differently, but like I said, I put that in God's hands. How long? Fabio, you're muted. Yeah, how do you see yourself fitting in Dean P's defense? Just just doing my job. Just executing the technique they teach us to the best of my abilities, making plays. I mean, like I said, I'm a physical corner, so I like to get up and, and press. I like to get in the receiver's face and just disrupt them the best way I can. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Fabian Moreau. Uh, lastly, number five for this episode of the Bulltie Chronicles podcast, uh, 17 games. The NFL was uh, going to 17 games. You got players out there acting like they're mad. They saw this coming two years ago. I remember talking to Tony uh, Gonzalez about it. Be three exhibitions, 17 games over 18 weeks. Uh, the season will end in January now, on January 9th. But 17 games, and the Falcons' 17th game will be against Jacksonville, at Jacksonville. Uh, you know, they play Jacksonville all the time in the exhibition game. Now that basically that exhibition game is going to be a real game this year. And I was on the call with uh, Commissioner Goodell today to discuss this change. Uh, a couple of things um, out of there was that the NFL teams are expecting to play Two full stadiums this year. So full stadiums. Uh, they're also using all of their stadiums to help everyone get vaccinated. Uh, he was asked where they going to mandate vaccinations. I mean, you get 80,000 people coming into the stadium. Hopefully, um, you know, they, they he was asked about mandating the, you know, showing your COVID card that you got your two shots. Uh, but he, he, he more gave a answer about, you know, about education uh, and uh, using the stadiums and uh, sounded more like they were going to take an educational approach as opposed to a mandated approach. So I don't know. I'm, you know, are you going to be willing to go in the stadium where you don't know half the stadium's vaccinated and they're not wearing masks? Uh, I don't know how comfortable you're going to be going back into the stadiums um, without some assurances that, you know, the folks uh, in your section at least, or I don't know, we got to figure out how to get through this thing. But seems to me that if you're going to be having 80,000 people come to your place, you're going to probably want them to be vaccinated. So we'll see. I don't see what the big fuss is. You know, everybody... Uh, you know, when you were in school, your parents had to turn in the cart that you got your vaccinations. <laughs> so uh, for first 12 years. So now we, we are coming out of a pandemic. I don't see 
uh, how difficult it would be to just show the card that you got vaccinated. Now, if you didn't get vaccinated, you don't need to be coming around 80,000 people. Uh, but those are some of the things we're going to be facing here in the upcoming season. Uh, full, full attendance. So we'll see how this thing shakes out here in the coming weeks. You know, just, uh, you know, listen to the information and make your decisions accordingly. Don't come by me if you didn't get your vaccination, though. All right. With that, we're going to get out of here. That was the 256th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. How the trades impact the Falcons. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.